If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Good evening to all of my fellow fans of those savages in the box, and welcome to episode 12 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks, of course. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on this Sunday evening, September 8th, 2019. How's everybody doing? It has been a hell of a week and a day, as always for me. Yankees baseball continuing and being a good time, of course, and hopefully that'll continue tonight when the game starts in the next hour or so. Just came from watching that miserable Giants and Cowboys game. Boy, there's nothing like spending the last couple hours watching defense just sleepwalk through an entire game. Great stuff, truly. Got myself a new phone yesterday because my previous phone cracked my Galaxy S7 Edge. I had it for just over two years, and now I have the Galaxy S9, and I'm really enjoying it so far. So, it's definitely worth saying, a lot has happened. (laughs) But, before we get into this episode, let's, of course, as always, give our shout-out to the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. So, the Team Left Jab United Radio Network, as always, they feature Team Left Jab Boxing Radio, Team Left Jab Uncensored, and, of course, the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. Go follow Team Left Jab on all social media platforms and check out their great sports content. And, of course, following the Team Left Jab shout-out as we do every week, and that is the first of many shout-outs, as always, here on Yapping Yankees, because, of course, because of the polls which we are going to get to right now, which follows every Team Left Jab shout-out at the start of each episode. So, as I always do, every single week, every Sunday, I put out a poll to you guys, all of you, on Twitter and Instagram. And I want you guys to respond and vote and all that good stuff. And as you guys know, if you do respond to the polls with the reasoning for your vote, or if you if you have a different opinion than the choices in the in the polls offered to you, which of course you can reply with anything you want, you get a shout out, of course. So I did put up a poll today, which has well over 100 votes on Twitter, and I haven't checked how many votes it has on Instagram, but it has a good amount of votes on there as well, and I definitely have a very good amount of replies as well, so lots of shout-outs to go around, as always, for today's episode of Yapping Yankees, as far as the polls are concerned. Here are, here's the poll question for this week. So the theme of the episode basically is about the episodes called Reinforcements Ahead because despite how good the Yankees have done and continue to do, despite all the injuries they've had throughout the year, there's some promising signs of some very encouraging returns ahead from injury. So one of those returns has to do with this poll question. And the question is, what role do you think would best fit Luis Severino when he finally returns? Now, I put three choices here, and the choices were the first one, the best role that would fit him would be a regular starter. The second choice was a starter, but limited, so meaning he would maybe go, I don't know, four innings maybe and have a pitch limit. And then the third choice was he'd be just long relief out of the bullpen, use him whenever. Don't rush him back, in other words, those two of three choices are obviously saying. And I did get this sort of response on Instagram, which I'll give the guy the shout-out later on once I get to the Instagram poll results and the responses. But, you know, many people out there might say, well, he's he's got A stuff. Why wouldn't he just slide back into his role? Well, it's because he's missed the entire season, 
and you probably don't want to push him too much, even though it might be worth it, some may argue, because you're in the postseason going for a World Series, and you're not wrong there. But at the same time, you don't want to risk even more injury after the guy's already missed the entire season. And you'd be surprised at these results if you do have that opinion of, oh, just put him back in the, in the A slot, let him go, whatever. Because that's not what the Twitter poll re- results said. And the last time I checked, that's also not what the Instagram poll results said. So here are the results. The winning choice by 56% is starter, but limited. So they wanted to be a limited starter with a pitch limit, perhaps. Then tied at 22% each were long relief and regular starters. So a lot of people do want him to slide back into that starting role, but just have him have a pitch limit. Don't risk too much, and don't have him potentially get hurt. So that those were the results. Surprised me a little bit. I kind of respected more people to just say, oh, just put him back in the regular starting role. But that's not what was said. A little bit surprising. So let's get to the replies real quick. Time for some Yankees Twitter shout-outs. So first off, good friend of mine on Twitter, Tina, at MountainGal456. Tina's the absolute best. Go follow her. She's, she's definitely up for good, putting you, putting you in a good mood, definitely. Put a smile on your face. She replied, Starter limited, as we have a savage bullpen behind him. And I, I even replied that. I said, A-plus reasoning. <laughs> good response. Also, my good friend on Twitter, Steve, New York Yankees, New York Rangers, New York Giants, he says, says he has in his name, and his at is SDT927, bullpen slash long, long relief, no reason to push him. Definitely a fair point as well. Tom Mokia, at Nerf Squeezer, limited starter, need to stretch him out. So these are, these are definitely responses that say, there's no need to push him, put him as a limited starter or long relief. No, no replies so far that say, oh, just throw him back in the starting pitching role that he had before. At Lambert the Hammer, a spring roll. Hmm, interesting reply. <laughs> Up next is at Coach Lou Rallone, said, I would 100% use him as an opener slash starter with a short leash. Limit his innings and how many times the opponent's lineup sees him. So another person willing to be very cautious with Luis Severino. Tony Walker at KRang44. No sense in pushing him. Have enough backup. So like Tina says, hey, you got a lot of backup in the bullpen. There's no need to go nuts with him. Rob Kingston at Kingston JR Light. Can he play the outfield? I'm afraid he, I'm afraid he doesn't, Rob. <laughs> oh, God. Some of these replies. Tim at Tim Mullen 6. Need a good starter. Let's give that a go and take it from there. Bye. Ha- Bye, Hap. It's a welcome uplift. Yeah, definitely. Not up for Jay Happ. I mean, listen, I'm not going to deny Jay Happ has been good lately because he has been, especially yesterday in that start against Boston. He has been better. You know, that's just true. I don't deny the facts. But trusting him is still at an all-time low just because of how much he has absolutely stunk five out of the six months of the regular season. Miss Yankee Universe at the Annalise. Why not just use him as an opener? And I said, you know, that could be that could be something they do too. And she said, well, it wasn't an option. And just so you guys know, in case I don't put something that you would vote for as an option, you can still reply in the comments with your opinion. You know, you don't necessarily have to do the actual vote. If you have a different opinion, then yeah. The reason I didn't put an opener was because I, I sort of felt like limited starter and opener is, it's not the same thing, of course, but it's it's like within the same ballpark of each other, pun intended, I guess. But if you think about it, an opener, usually, especially in the case of Chad Green, we've seen a lot of the time, they sometimes go two, maybe rarely three innings. 
and a limited starter, of course, depending on their pitch count, but a limited starter for the most part, probably go four or five. So they're within the same ballpark of each other. So I just didn't really think it was necessary It was necessary to add an opener option. But if you really think there's a vast difference between the two, then yeah, I guess you could say use Luis Severino as an opener. So at the Annalise thinks that we should have Luis Severino as an opener, and that's fine. Jonathan at John underscore 94 underscore agreed with the Annalise, saying, I agree with this. Him, him being an opener would suit him for the time being. Now, fair enough, guys. If you want him as an opener, then by all means, then you could put him as an opener. I just didn't really know if it was that worth it to put that choice when I, I truthfully feel that they're both within the same ballpark of each other, the two things. Because again, if you think about it, an opener will go two, maybe, maybe three innings. And that's that. But, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I, I thought it wasn't really worth it to put the two separate choices. But I definitely get what Annalise is saying. At Osvaldo Alcant S. Long relief. He's coming out of two serious injuries. A cuff rotator, or a rotator cuff, inflammation, and grade 2 lat strain. Yankees should take care of his health and durability. Definitely fair. Greg Marsh. At Coach GSM. Sevy should be built up by October to go 70 to 80 pitches, which in the playoffs is what starters go anyways. That's that's definitely true. I can't really argue with that because in the playoffs with the starters having gone the whole year and and just with people relying more on their bullpen since there are more options out there for backup, I would definitely say that a lot of teams in the playoffs really fall back on their bullpen or have been falling back on their bullpen in recent years. So I, I definitely think that's fair. And even if even if former championship teams haven't really relied on their bullpen too much, I'm a firm believer in the fact that a championship team could do that. I mean, to be a championship team, your your starting rotation can't be absolutely horrendous. It needs to at least be okay. But if it has the best of backup in the bullpen, I think anything's possible. So Noah, at Noah underscore Samo 19. Sevi would fit best in a long relief position because he hasn't started a big league game this year. He's got A stuff, and if you can get that for three to four innings with the bullpen the Yanks have, it would be very difficult for opposing teams. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier. I, I definitely agree with that. So I think if I were to vote on this poll, I think I would either put you know long relief or, or a limited starter, definitely. At Mattress Searches, at Mattress Searches 1. I say, I say limited because at this point, who knows what kind of stuff he's coming back with. And that's definitely true too because you don't know what Severino we're going to get. You heard in the last rehab starter too, Aaron Boone said, yeah, I like the way he's looked more so. His, it has more life on the fastball. Slider and changeup looked good. But again, those are minor league rehab starts. We don't necessarily know what he's going to have when he reappears in the major leagues after not having pitched to major league hitters for so long. You just don't know. At Chris Noel at Juvenile. Some of these ads are crazy. If he is healthy, he should be ready to go. If not, he should prepare for 2020. He is an ace and nothing less. So, of course, Chris seems like he's saying just throw him back into the regular starting position. I would say if he's healthy, then I, I don't know if you still just throw him back into that position. But I would definitely not say if if he's if he's got even the if he can't be just a regular starting pitcher then just sit him. I don't agree with that because I think you need all hands on deck if you're going to win the World Series, and I think you need Luis Severino type stuff 
even if you have him in a game, in, even if you have him in a game for just maybe four innings, I think that's plenty. I just think you need his stuff, though. Long Island Tony at Long Island underscore Tony. Sevy needs to be long relief for the rest of the season. Yanks should do what the Red Sox did to Price when he returned from his injury, making him a starter in the playoffs after him missing the season is a risk the New York Yankees can't take. Next year, he's a starter again, like Price was, and I'm referring to the 2017 season for Price. Even though Boston lost to the Astros in the playoffs, them having a quote-unquote super reliever on the roster did help the Sox avoid a sweep. That's definitely interesting. Good reply, Tony. Calman Heller at Cal, 714. He'll have time to build up to around 80 to 90 pitches by first postseason start. We don't get more from most of our other starters, and Herman can't keep starting. We're risking his future. There's definitely that innings limit and, you know, just overall concern for Herman because he's pitched more innings, of course, than he ever has in his life. James Celestin, my good friend, at Anime Soldier 01. Long relief. I would go like Green for the first two innings and then Sevy for the next five and then go to the bullpen. I think it would be too much to ask him to be a start to be a starter after surgery. Try to protect Sevy's arm as long as possible. So that he thinks that you should put an opener before him and then have Severino pitch maybe four or five innings afterwards. That might be something they look into. Fortunately, because the Yankees' bullpen, again, is so dominant, they have that option to do that. They could do something like that. They could play around with these sorts of things, and that w- that's what makes the Yankees more intimidating. So let's head over to Instagram now and see the Instagram results to this poll. Let's see how much different they are from these results. So, what role, again, do you think would best fit Luis Severino when he finally returns? Same sort of thing on Instagram, and I wish I could have included the long relief option on this, but to the best of my knowledge, the Instagram polling only allows for two choices, unless I'm just stupid and didn't realize that you could add another option. I know that you could add up to four options on Twitter, but I I think Instagram can only do two. So I just did the two options, starter and then a starter, but limited. So starter, but limited defeated the starter choice 59% to 41% in this as well. So people feel on Instagram the same way that they do more or less on Twitter, but it was much closer, it seemed. So, let's see if anyone replied in the DMs with their reasoning for their message. So, Car Lucio 921 says, Listen, Severino already established himself as one of the top five pitchers in the game right now. Let him go back into his comfort zone. No changes needed. Well, listen, dude. This is a, this is just a, a poll question. <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying my opinion or anything. I'm simply asking what people think. And you know, he, uh, Severino may have established himself as a top sort of a pitcher, but people have varying opinions on this. And as you can see, this isn't such a cut and dry, really, a, a response because more people actually think that he should be a limited starter. So it's not so cut and dry as to just say, oh yeah, he deserves to be a regular starting pitcher. So people have varying opinions on this, and that's why I ask these poll questions. And they must be good questions because I feel like there's been really like good responses and conflicting the results on a lot of them, and it really gets people thinking and answering and getting engaged and involved, which is what I want. So, you know, it's just a poll question. Also, my good friend Gina Pacifico on Instagram, she replied, she usually replies on, on Twitter, but she said, definitely limited starter. 
missed an entire season of baseball with his velo, it would be almost impossible to make him go six to eight innings, otherwise he'd blow his arm out. I'm thinking first three to four innings, hitting 50 to 60 pitches until next season when he's fully healthy. It's hard to argue with that. And then my my brother's good friend, actually, Tegan Graham, 23. He's a good friend of mine. He's funny. He says, Chad Green opens, Seve goes four innings pitched. Yeah, so th- there you go. So I guess <laughs> I guess that's another one that, we're, that agrees with my friend James on Twitter. Having Chad Green open and then Severino pitching the next few innings. And then when the end of the game comes around, you have the big back end of the Yankees bullpen to finish it off. So I guess Tegan and James would agree with each other. So that's your Twitter and Instagram poll for this week. I hope you guys enjoyed those, voted on them, had fun replying and interacting with me. I certainly like interacting with all of you. And you know that I'm very generous with the shout-outs. I love giving shout-outs and, and addressing what you guys say because I feel like this podcast is for the people of Yankees Twitter and Yankees Instagram, the Yankees community overall. I'm trying to be a man of the people for the Yankees community. How about that? Does that work? Fantastic. So I thought it would be I, I thought it'd be appropriate to ask what the deal would be with Luis Severino, since of course Severino is still working his way back, is still on the injured list, has not been activated yet, and a big portion of this podcast is going to be discussing, and this is what we'll be be discussing next on the main topic of the day before we get to weekly recap. The main topic is basically just injured list news because there's a lot of good news on the horizon. One one such a bad news, which we'll get to first, because I don't know about you, but I. I prefer to have my bad news first before the good news just to get out of the way. So I'll start off with that bad news. But because, you know, we're in the month of September right now. The Yankees basically have the division wrapped up. And these games, other than for the purpose of fighting for home field advantage, they don't mean an unbelievable amount. And I'm, and I'm not, trust me, I'm not downplaying the importance of home field advantage. I'm just saying, other than home field advantage, that the Yankees aren't really fighting for anything. The division is more or less wrapped up. And they're not fighting for a wild card spot of any sorts. They're fighting for home field advantage. And it definitely is an important thing because if you face the Houston Astros, I think it's important to have home field advantage or just against anybody. Especially when you have the the difference in how the Yankees play in Yankee Stadium because Yankee Stadium is an electrifying environment for the players. And it's clear that although the Yankees have not been bad on the road this year, they, have, they haven't been, like, fantastic, but they haven't been bad on the road by any means at all either. But, I mean, if you had to choose, where would you rather play a playoff game? More often than not, at home or on the road? You want to play at home. Especially against a team like the Houston Astros. If you look back to 2017, the Yankees struggled massively in Houston. So you want to have the games in Yankee Stadium, of course. So, again, not downplaying home field advantage, but... That is really all the Yankees are fighting for right now. So in the month of September, when there's not much to fight for other than home field advantage, you're looking for things to talk about, and you say, hey, there's a lot of reinforcements ahead. Again, plug in the title for this episode a lot today. (laughs) But since there's a lot of reinforcements ahead, might as well talk about that, right? A lot of injury news, a lot of news about people potentially coming back in the near future, which is definitely exciting because a lot of the names are a big deal. Definitely a big deal. So, up next, now with the main topic of the podcast for today, before this Yankees-Red Sox game starts in the next half hour, maybe I'll still be recording this and you'll hear my reaction to maybe the the top half of the first inning, maybe, who knows, we'll see. I have ESPN on the television right now, just in case it does start before I end recording, so 
We'll see what happens. But the main topic of the podcast today, the latest Yankees significant injury news. So again, as I said before, I like to start off with the bad news before the good news in any situation, just because I, I like to get out of the way. So before I tell you what that bad news is, though, I do want to give another shout out to my good friend Tina on Twitter at MountainGal456 again, because the topic of this report, actually, this bad news report, was brought up by her when she DM'd me asking about this player, and then literally minutes later, after she DM'd me asking about this player, an article on the subject was released by Brian Hoke. Really funny stuff. So it, it was just crazy how this really coincided each other, and, and you know that, you know, if you, if you DM me with any, you know, comments, questions, concerns, whatever, having to do with the Yankees, as I've said on many episodes in the past... I will give you a shout-out because, again, I'm very generous with these shout-outs and I love interacting with you, and I'll give you a shout-out. So, Tina took it upon herself. So, here's Tina's DM. She says, Hi, Mike. Just wanted to ask you if you wanted to make this a mention on your next podcast regarding Aaron Hicks. Like, when will we ever see him again? I know a couple of days back on the pregame show on Yes, they mentioned he and Statner in Tampa. I had no idea Hicks was going to be out this long and honestly can't even remember the injury or how bad the injury was. Anyway, any thoughts? Thanks. Tina, first of all, you know, good friend of mine. You're a lot of fun on Twitter. Thank you so much for the message, and I'm glad to give you two shout-outs today. How about that? Two shout-outs for Tina. If you want two shout-outs like Tina, reply to a, a Yapping Yankees poll and DM me. You'll get your two shout-outs. <laughs> so, the news on Aaron Hicks. So, I'll address it. And as I said, right after she DM'd me this, literally, I, I swear, minutes later, minutes later, there was an article released about Aaron Hicks. <laughs> by Brian Hoke that was released in the Yankee section, of course, on the MLB at Bat app I was looking at, and I saw it. So here's, here's the article from Brian, basically. It starts out saying, Aaron Hicks's season could be in jeopardy after the outfielder experienced a setback in his recovery from a flexor strain in his right elbow, as the Yankees manager Aaron Boone said prior to Saturday's game against the Red Sox. So this was this is obviously the the bad news report, and I just I wanted to give Tina the shout out because the first bad news injury front happened to do with her DM. So Boone said that Hicks has been able he's been unable to resume his throwing program, which he was doing for a while, as we know. And he and he sustained this injury on August third against Boston, and he was sent to an MRI, and he they revealed no concerns with his owner collateral ligament, his UCL. And everything checked out well, but uh, according to Aaron Boone, he's just not really, he's not feeling like himself. He's not, he's not feeling it to the point where he can start ramping up his activity and getting back into it. So his season could very well be in jeopardy, as Brian Hoke says here. So more, more on Aaron Boone, what he said in this article. Boone said he was looking forward to throwing and, and starting to throw. He might get a second opinion to make sure, but we feel good about where he is. But it's not getting to that point where we're able to advance him in baseball activity. So that's that's not good. Apparently his throwing is not feeling to the point where he feels that it's appropriate for him to return. So of course, and, and Hoke went on to say if Hicks is unable to return, of course, Gardner would likely continue to start regularly in center field, which is the best option because Gardner can very well handle himself out there. As we remember, Gardner originally came up as a center fielder. It's his natural position. But of course, over the years, he's also found very much of a home in left field, which is totally fine. But as as long as Hicks is out, he might want to start want to keep playing Gardner out there because again, Gardner is is having a good year. You can't really deny that. 
So that's the bad news right away. So that's the news on Aaron Hicks, really. So it's unfortunate news. It really is tough news because Hicks, Hicks is a pretty important piece on this team. So now, good news finally, and there's a lot of it. So the first piece of good news before we wrap up with the rest of the names after this, Stanton, of course. John Carlos Stanton, he's slowly moving along. He's been slowly moving along for a while now. He started taking live at-bats against minor leaguers, and they hope he returns this month at some point, of course, before the playoffs roll in. And, you know, you might be surprised by this, or you might be on Twitter seeing the regular on this, or if you listen to Sports Talk Programming, maybe you see this as well, or hear it, rather. This this is really a, a legitimate thing. A lot of people don't want John Carlos Stanton back. They feel like he's going to mess up the dynamic of the team. They say he's going to strike out the bases loaded again and not come up in the clutch. Listen, I, I think historically John Carlos Stanton's a very good player, and I want him to be a part of this team. But a lot of people out there, they, they don't want him back. They don't want anything to do with John Carlos Stanton. And, and Mike Francesa actually said this on the air a bunch of times in the last couple of months. He said he, he's a big advocate for choosing Stanton over the replacements this year, and he's saying, but there is one thing, even though, you know, he he says, oh, you know, it's it's definite. If Stanton comes back, there's no way they're playing Talkman or Mabin or any of the or any of the replacements over Stanton. But there is one thing for sure, and this is definitely true given how many people actually don't want him back. If Stanton plays in the postseason and again does not play well, this town is gonna hate him. Like for real this time. They are never gonna forgive him. Because you live and die in October when things are when when you know the season's on the line, and you just better perform well. That's that's basically it. And he's definitely right about that. People will never, will never leave him alone if he does not come through well in the postseason. So if he comes back for it, he better play well. Other rounds of good news that actually is factoring in for today: Gio Urshela has missed the minimum of of 10 games, so he has been reactivated off the injured list. He returns. That is great news, of course. We know how much Gio Urshela has meant to this team this year, so that's definitely a huge deal that he is returning. Very glad to see him back. Huge asset over there at third base, and of course, can't really even speak legitimately to how amazingly, in words, he has done at the plate with the bat, which he was never known for prior to this year. But hey, he's done a hell of a job this year, all around. And of course, over at first base, there's been a, got a, a, there's been a lot of good news on that front. Both Edwin Encarnacion, of course, and Edwin's been pretty hot since he's returned. Edwin and Luke Voigt back, of course. Luke's been slumping a little bit, but you know he, he had a big double yesterday. And I think it's just going to take him time to get his timing back because he really hasn't been right health-wise since that London series when he hurt his core or his abdomen muscles, I think it was. He's been having trouble staying healthy and and staying inconsistently since then. So I I think it's just a matter of him getting his groove back and getting his timing back. But it really is unfortunate because before all of that, Luke was putting together a very nice season for himself. And it's a shame that a couple injuries really threw him off because he really was doing well. I think it's just a matter of being patient and and him finding his way back. I think that's all. And the two main pieces of very, very good news as far as especially pitching reinforcements, of course, is that Luis Severino and Dellen Batantis, they are right around the corner from coming back. Now, this is, of course, great news. We've been waiting for these two forever now, it seems. Now, there's, a, there's an article on, you know, CBS Major League Baseball, cbssports.com. Uh, 
that basically is, gives descriptions on Batantis and Severino's returns. I'll read them to you in case you don't already know. So, of course, Dylan Batantis' main reason for being out has been a shoulder impingement. He's been on 60-day IL forever. So he did make his first minor league rehab appearance on Friday, of course, and he's expected to pitch at least one more before rejoining the team, but he could be back as soon as next week, which would be huge. And Severino, not much different. He's made two minor league rehab appearances and stretches pitch count up to 55 on Friday, and he could rejoin the Yankees next week as well. But Aaron Boone has also said that he could make one more minor league appearance appearance before being activated. So they're being careful with Severino, and understandably so. They don't want to rush him back too fast, and that's that's more than understandable. There's no need to, you know, absolutely rush these things. Just get him maybe a, a couple of starts in the major leagues, limit him a little bit, and then see how he has come the postseason. That's that's the sentiment that a lot of people on on social media have echoed as well, as far as Severino's concerned. And Batantis, that's great news because, hey, you already have a four-headed monster out there in the back end of the Yankees' bullpen. Just imagine how even more devastating it's going to be when you add Dell and Batantis to the mix. It's going to be that much better. So that's definitely great news surrounding those two who have just been out the entire season and have been sorely missed. And I hope when they come back, they really make their impact that we expect them to make. And just one more big name that a lot of people, I, I assume, would want mentioned. I know I want him mentioned. And I, I think he's a little unappreci- underappreciated in this town with some fans. But Jordan Montgomery... He's even someone who's doing rehab starts, and he could be a potential help to this team, and he and he could even return maybe by around the end of the month. But of course, Boone is also stressed that they do not especially want to rush him back, because as we know, Jordan Montgomery, he's coming off of Tommy John surgery. He's been out for quite a long time. But the thing is, I, again, before I said that I think he's a little underappreciated in, in the Yankees community... Not by everybody. I think a lot of people realize that he should be a little bit more appreciated. But me personally, especially after experiencing so many pitchers in this Yankees rotation that have been so inconsistent for such a long time, some of them, maybe they've turned it around since then, or maybe they're still inconsistent, they still stink. But regardless, no matter what the case may be, the Yankees have had their fair share of inconsistent pitchers. And I don't think Jordan Montgomery was one of them. Montgomery had an ERA maybe occasionally in the high threes around, which isn't bad. But I feel like a lot of the time, what we would get from Montgomery is a lot of starts like five, six innings, two, three runs. I feel like we got it in, in that sort of uh, sort of a range almost every time he threw. I appreciate consistency a lot more than many other things because it's, it's sort of a comfort when you send a guy out there and you know around what you'll be getting. I mean, of course, he had his starts that were maybe better than that, and he had his starts that were worse than that range. Of course, you know, you're not going to do the same thing every time, but I feel like that was really ballpark for most of his starts, and I feel like consistency consistency should be appreciated more because, again, the Yankees have had their fair share of inconsistent pitching. So that's why I do think Jordan Montgomery is a really important name to bring up And if he's ready to go by the end of the month and the Yankees are confident in him to have at least a little bit of a role in the postseason, I think that's a big deal. I don't know how many of you out there may agree or disagree with me, but I think it's a big deal. So that's really your significant Yankees injury news going forward. And of course, when it comes to the injuries, you know, it's definitely a hot topic with the Yankees because the Yankees have just sent 
an astronomical amount of players to the injured list throughout this season. 29 in total throughout the year, which is just absurd. And there's still plenty of them that remain on there. But the Yankees are getting some major reinforcements back if everything continues to go well, of course. And we do hope that they do. Absolutely. Because it would just be that much better for this team that is obviously making a push for it all. To win it all in the World Series. So, now that that main topic really of the podcast is done, let's get to our weekly recap. So... Of course, the Yankees have been playing since last Monday when they started a series out on Labor Day against the Texas Rangers, and the first game didn't really go as well. The Yankees actually received their first shutout by the Rangers, Mike Miner and the Rangers, in about 220 games, which is a long time. (laughs) And the only other team in history that's done that was the uh, Yankees team in the 1930s. The Yankees went the, had the second longest streak with not being shut out, which is really impressive. And a Yankees team with the capabilities that this offense has, not really that surprising. But again, you may think back to, hey, they didn't get shut out in the month of May or anything, or maybe even in the last month when the injuries really hit them again. All these injuries, and it took until now. It really is unbelievable. I believe the last time they said they were shut out was sometime in June of 2018, prior to the game against the Rangers last Monday. Very impressive stuff. So, Tanaka was on the mound for this one against Mike Miner, and I had a feeling the Yankees would struggle against Mike Miner because throughout this season, the Yankees have had some struggles against left-handed pitching, and just someone like Mike Miner, whose ERA after this start was 312, one of the lowest ERAs in the American League. I I thought the Yankees would have some trouble with him. He's got some really, he's got a fastball that's only around maybe 92, 93 miles an hour. Not really overpowering, but really, he, he really draws in a lot of his success from his off-speed pitches. And boy, are they tough. The Yankees couldn't figure it out that day, that's for sure. Six hits, no runs to show for it. But Tanaka also didn't have a bad start at all. I mean, he didn't have his best stuff, and you, you could tell that. He was really laboring in most of those innings. But just two runs in six innings, five strikeouts. Not a great start, not a bad start, didn't didn't have his best stuff, but he battled. You got to respect that. The offense was just dead, though. So again, the Yankees would lose this game 7-0. Nomar Mazzara, sack fly, made it 1-0. Jose Trevino, 2-0 on a solo shot. Ronald Guzman, 3-0 on an RBI single. Delino DeShields, who doesn't hit home runs, hit hit just his fourth home run of the year at this time. Three-run homer to make it 6-0. Then Shinsu Shinsu Chu hit a solo shot to make it 7-0. And that was it. So Monday, not really much to speak for. Probably one of the more boring games of 2019. I don't think there's there's any denying that. But then the next night, let me tell you something. Paxton with another good start. And the Yankees offense would come out of blazing yet again. And Edwin Encarnacion making his return. Definitely a big deal here. And it was great to have him back. Two for four that night. Paxton on the mound, seven shutout innings, 12 strikeouts. He was just, he was going crazy with the strikeouts. And Edison Volquez and, and Gerardo and just, the, the Texas pitching did not have a fun time this uh, on the night. But Jonathan Luizica was the, was the one that allowed the only run, I believe it was in the ninth inning for the Rangers, against the Rangers for the Yankees, of course, and Paxton just had such a great start. He's now 12-6, and six, ERA down to 416 after the way it was before. That's an improvement. Strikeouts way up, 
another good start consecutively for Paxton. So let's get into the scoring plays. So the game would start off two-run shot by Gary Sanchez, his 33rd of the year at that time, 2-0. Then it was a three-run shot by D.D. Gregorius to make it 5-0 in the sixth inning. Another home run for Gary Sanchez after that. A straight-up bomb to right field, his 34th to make it 6-0. Then it was 8-0 on a Brett Gardner two-run shot as his home runs just keep on coming. And then Edwin Encarnacion, a two-run shot to make it 10-0. And then it was 10-1 on a solo shot by the Rangers. And then that, that was a score that the Yankees would end up winning by a totally pointless solo shot in the ninth inning by the Rangers. So... That was a score they'd win by. Nice home run by Edwin on the return. Definitely definitely a fun night. A, a great response to getting shut out the day before. And then they would take the series come Wednesday when the Yankees would win 4-1. to one. Chad Green opened up the game. Pitched two innings, struck out four. Then Sessa pitched three innings after that. Ottavino, Canely, Britton all pitched an inning after that. And then Corey Gearin came in, only allowed a run, the one run that the Rangers had to show for again in the ninth inning. And they would win one. Uh, they would win four to one. So here's your scoring on that day. So Aaron Judge started off the game with the starting off the scoring in the game rather in the bottom of the third with a two run shot to make it two nothing. His twentieth of the year. Glaber Torres want to talk about home runs that keep coming for a player. Thirty fourth of the year for him on this one, a solo shot to make it three nothing. 4 to nothing on an RBI double by Austin Romine. And then Rugnet Odor, solo shot in the ninth inning and make it 4-1. to one. The Yankees would win 4-1 to one and take the series from Texas. They'd have the night off on Thursday. And then would come the series against Boston. That is obviously still going on and the game's about to start in like 10 minutes. So if we're still going on, I'll be reacting to that. Maybe top half of the first, if you're lucky, bottom half of the first of the first inning as well. So the first game in Boston, of course, did not go very well. The Yankees would lose by a score of 6-1. to one. Domingo Herman started off the first three or four innings just looking great. And then all at once, it just really, it just, it just collapsed for him. <laughs> it really did. And the offense really just never, never got into the groove in this game. So it really just, it, not much happened for the Yankees tonight, except that night, except for just some rough breaks in that inning, a tough inning for Herman. And then Cortez Jr. would allow a run later on after that. And it just it just didn't go well. So here's the scoring plays on that game. In the bottom of the fourth, Brock Holt would get an RBI single to make it 1-0. And then Mitch Moreland would then hit a three-run shot to make it 4-0. Uh, yeah, that was the inning. I remember now, Herman, the fourth inning. Just a really tough inning for him. Brett Gardner, again, would go deep. With a solo shot to make it 4-1. That was, of course, the only run the Yankees scored of the night. But that was Gardner's 21st home run. It's crazy. 20, 21 home runs. And I know some of you may discount that because, eh, the ball's juiced this year, whatever. But he has 21 home runs. <laughs> then Xander Bogarts would really put the game away. Two-run double to make it 6-1. And that would be it. The Yankees would lose by that score. And then yesterday... Again, a nice rebuttal by the Yankees. They, they would beat the Red Sox almost by the same score that the Yankees lost to them by just the night before. And again, Jay Happ with another pretty good start. <laughs> Six and a third, seven strikeouts, no runs allowed, held them to two hits. Pretty surprising. <laughs> and you know, if, if you listen to me consistently or look at my tweets consistently, you'll know that almost nobody 
And that says a lot because a lot of people have been tough on him this year. Almost nobody has been as hard on Jay Happ as I have been this year, especially because of all the great takes that I had as far as offseason signings or trades. One of my takes was that bringing Jay Happ back was a good thing. And when he made me look like an idiot, I got ticked off. And I've just been very hard on him. <laughs> I, I didn't think it was like the best move ever, but I just thought, hey, what could go wrong? <laughs> uh, what was it they say in my cousin Vinny? Win some, lose some? <laughs> I lost on that take. But what are you going to do? I was also a major defender of bringing DJ LeMayhew in here. And look how that turned out. So I have some things to hang my hat on still. I, I, I have hope yet. <laughs> so anyway... This game yesterday where the Yankees won by a score of 5-1. to one. Jay Happ did a fine job. Ottavino did as well. Canely got an out. And then Britton, two-thirds of an inning. And Chapman, although he allowed a run, finished it off in the ninth. So, the scoring plays are as follows. In the top of the fourth, Gary Sanchez. A two-run ground rule double as he just continues to get the big hits. 2 nothing Yankees. Edwin Encarnacion, another freaking home run. A two-run... I think I'm going to call it a nuke. Because this thing cleared the wall. I, I, I don't even... Like, everyone just watched it. Like, even in the last row, the monster would be like, Oh, look, there it goes, right? Probably back to New York. <laughs> My God. He bashed this thing out of the park. Literally out of the park. Two-run shot, 4 nothing. Walk the freaking parrot, for the love of God. <laughs> And then, to make it 5 nothing, Edwin Encarnacion, RBI double. So then it was 5 nothing Yankees. Then it was 5-1 to one after a solo shot by J.D. Martinez. He hit it off of, off of Roldis Chapman in the bottom of the ninth, and that was the score the Yankees would win by. And, of course, here we are on Sunday night. In about five minutes, the third game of the series should get underway. And as I mentioned last week on What's Ahead, tomorrow they're playing an odd fourth game of the series on a Monday against Boston. And then that's it. That's it as far as Boston's concerned. Then after that, they will move on to Detroit. They'll face them, but we'll get to that as well. So, now up for the next segment on Yapping Yankees, of course, as we draw close to the end here. We will continue on what I was just saying before with the What's Ahead segment. So, in What's Ahead, of course, we we look at what's ahead for the Yankees in the next week. We'll look at the standings around baseball, wild card picture, all of it. So, right after the Yankees finish up with the Red Sox tomorrow night at 7.10 p.m. Eastern, they'll head to Detroit and play a 6.40 p.m. Eastern game in Detroit against the Tigers on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, they'll play another 6.40 p.m. game in Detroit. As well, on Thursday, they will finish up things against the Tigers over there in Detroit with a 1.10 p.m. Eastern game. And then on Friday, to wrap up the next week, they'll head to Toronto to play the Blue Jays first off on Friday night at 7.07 p.m. Eastern. Then at 3.07 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. And on Sunday, it'll be a 1.07 p.m. Eastern start. And if you even want to look even more ahead, they have an off day on Monday. Then they face the Angels when they come back home. So that's what's ahead for the Yankees as far as the games for the next week. Let's take a look at those standings around baseball. We had the AL East standings. Tampa Bay has won five in a row. They're sneakily on a little winning streak of their own. And they've gained a little bit of ground in the AL East, but they're still eight games back. They'll be seven and a half if the Yankees are to lose tonight, or they'll be pushed back to eight and a half if the Yankees win, which is where they were before the game started, eight and a half games back. Boston right now before this game starts is 16 and a half back, and of course, Toronto and Baltimore just way out of it. 
And as of today, the AL Central, the Minnesota Twins, and the Cleveland and the Cleveland Indians, they both played games today, of course. And it seems like Minnesota's really gotten a little bit of a lead back with the Indians. And if you know what's been going on in this division throughout the year, if you keep track, I don't know, but it's pretty incredible. Throughout the earlier part of the year, the Twins, I mean, the Indians were just so, like, blah and okay in the earlier part of the year. And then around the middle of the season, the, the Indians hit, like, a big resurgence period. And then it was the, the division was, like, neck and neck after the Twins literally had, like, an 11-game lead on them. And then now it seems to be some separation yet again between the Twins and Cleveland. So it's going back a little bit to what it was like before the Indians resurged, which is odd. <laughs> it's been interesting there between those two. And of course, the White Sox, the Royals, and the Tigers just way out of it. In the, in the AL West, you have the Houston Astros, nine and a half games over Oakland. And the, and the Astros again today just won against the Mariners in a big game. They won 21-1. to Jesus. <laughs> So they're nine and a half games over Oakland. And then, of course, the Rangers, Angels, and Seattle, way out of the running. Over in the NL East, we're in the National League now. We have the Braves with a nine-game lead over the Nationals, a 14-game lead over the over the Phillies, a 16-game lead over the Mets, and then humongous lead, 37 games over the Marlins. In the NL Central, Things have started to separate a little bit because the Cardinals have just been doing so much better lately at a record of 81-62. and 62. They're four and a half games over the Chicago Cubs who hold the second wild card behind the Washington Nationals. The Milwaukee Brewers are six and a half games behind the Cardinals, two games behind the Cubs. And the Reds and the Pirates are basically out of it. And then, of course, the least interesting division in all of baseball. The NL West has been over probably since the month of May, as we know. The Dodgers are in first place, and the closest team behind them is the second place, Arizona Diamondbacks, who have been doing very well lately, 17 games behind. (laughs) So, yeah, really, really thrilling race going on there in the NL West. (laughs) So, let's take a quick look at the wildcard pictures, both in the American League and the National League. So, we'll start off with the American League. Very close race. The Tampa Bay Rays still have hold of that first wild card, a game over the second wild card team, Oakland A's, and then the Cleveland Indians, who again have slowed down a little bit of late. They're a game and a half behind the second wild card team, the Oakland A's. That'd certainly be an interesting wild card game, the A's and the Rays. And if the season ended, of course, today, this game would be held in Tampa. So that'd be interesting. And over in the National League, you have the Washington Nationals, as I mentioned before, with the first wild card with a three-game lead over the second wild card team, the Cubs. And then behind the Cubs for the second wild card, a game and a half behind them are the D-backs. Two games behind them are the Brewers, as well as the Phillies. Then four games behind the Cubs, you have the Mets. Seven and a half behind them are the Giants. And then after that, all kind of falls off the Reds, Padres, Pirates, blah, blah, blah. So, you got yourself still a pretty interesting race there in the Mets, by the way. Tough weekend against Philly, and of course, that dreadful game. I'm just looking at it now, them being four games back. They could be so much closer. That dreadful game in Washington when they blew a six-run lead in the ninth inning. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That really stung, and then losing this series, because the Cubs had a really tough time in Milwaukee this this weekend, and the Mets really could have gained ground. And you see the, the Diamondbacks have been taking advantage of the gaining ground. They just surged. They're, they're the closest to the second wild card now. 
the Mets really could have taken advantage, but they just they choked on it this weekend. I mean, listen, there's, there's time to go, of course. I'm not saying the Mets are done, and I'm not saying anybody's done necessarily, but they, they could have taken advantage. They definitely could have. So that's really the wild card picture, the standings around baseball, what's ahead for the Yankees as far as the next week is concerned. And with that said, as you know, that really is the end of the show, as it always is here on Yapping Yankees. So I would like to say thank you so, so much for listening. One last shout out to Team Left Jab as we do before we before we end the recording here. So Team Left Jab United Radio Network, they feature Team Left Jab Boxing Radio, Team Left Jab Uncensored, and of course, the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. So be sure, guys, to go follow Team Left Jab on all social media platforms and check out their great sports content. And while you're at it, be sure to follow me as well on all social media platforms at Mike Scudero and why you can find my Facebook fan page. All of my show recordings, all Yapping Yankees episodes, all of that can be found on there. I link it all the time, as well as on my Twitter, which if you follow me on Twitter, which a lot of you do, you know that I am disgustingly active on that freaking app. It basically just takes over my life sometimes. Be sure to follow me on there, at Mike Scudero, and then also on Instagram, at MikeScuds97. Be sure to follow me on there as well. So, once again, thank you 3,000 for listening I'm Mike Scudero, and I'll talk to you next Sunday, September 15th, when I come at you with episode 13 of Yapping Yankees. And most importantly, never forget to keep watching Yankees baseball and keep being a savage. Take care, guys. Yeah.